0: From Mesh AI, this is the Data and AI Podcast. It's episode two. I'm Rid Lewis and joining me today are DBS and Candice Nicholas. How are you both? Good, thanks, mate.
1: Doing very well. Thank you, Rid.
2: Glad to hear it. DBS, what's on today's show, please? So today we're talking about the challenge of building and maintaining diverse cultures within data and technology businesses. And we have Rosheen McCarthy joining us, the founder of Women in Data, which is a movement and a force for change in the realm of data science and analytics. We're going to talk about how she founded the movement nearly 10 years ago, what companies can do, and how you can get involved. So, Roisin, welcome. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure.
2: So, Roisin, tell us more about Women in Data. How did it start? What's it about?
3: It's a bit of a long story. I'll try and keep it as concise as possible. But um, Women in Data was born in 2014, and the reason being in my day job, the one I get paid for, I run a recruitment business. That recruitment business has been placing people in data and technology for three decades. But in 2014, DBS, we placed less women than we ever had done historically. And I really couldn't sleep at night. I genuinely was feeling um, motivated. I was feeling uncomfortable by the fact that there were less and less females representing, particularly at senior roles in the world of data and technology. And Women in Data was born in 2015 with the first ever gathering of 125 of the senior female leaders that we had placed in in day jobs, uh, in data and technology, gathering at UCL in a leaking tent with no funding, no purpose, but what we'd created very, very readily was a place of belonging. And Women in Data started with those 125 members. We now represent the interests of over 35,000 people globally. DBS and the mission I have to say whilst you know we're very focused on gender parity and that that is what we're trying to achieve we want equal representation um, across data and technology the reality of this is that this task is mammoth Um, we have been studying we're women in data right we've been studying and measuring this since our inception in 2014 the problem's getting worse for every four men who are entering a career in data right now we don't have a whole woman And uh, not only have we got a broken pipeline, we certainly aren't managing or stretching or developing the skills that currently reside for females in the space of data and tech. So there's lots of work to be done. And that's what the community firstly stand for. We're we're a movement to create gender parity, but there's so many other elements and um, facets to the work that we do, which I'm sure we'll get into DBS.
2: So uh, let's touch on the root of the problem. Then, um, do you think it's from an education, or do you think it's post education? Is there a is there a root problem that happens prior to, you know, folks getting out of university and and into into jobs, or is it or is it after the fact? I think
3: that uh, there's push and pull factors in this, and yes, our uh, education system is somewhat broken it is not um it is not catering nor uh nourishing the the skills required to even consider a role in data and technology particularly for young women but then again we have systemic issues in society in addition to to industry not helping the cause so i think it's multifaceted i think the problem sits with a number of challenges across the life cycle of a career in data. Um, And we need to approach it with multiple solutions, but you're absolutely right that the education point is the start point. We also need to really consider about how we leverage transitioning talent because it shouldn't all just be pipeline entry-level individuals at the start of their careers. You know data and technology has a dearth of, of talent in a number of fields and uh experiences and and disciplines we need to be looking at how we transition people in in different stages of their careers into the world of data and tech
2: yeah and i think you, you know we've, we've talked about uh diversity of thought before um and i think accessibility of of ai and 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 data and mr nowadays is is a lot it's a lot more opportunistic i think and you know, we've seen some of the top companies like DeepMind have such a positive impact because they're not just looking in their field of AI, but they're looking outside other sciences, for example, right? And they're bringing in that external, um, you know, mindset and, and way of thinking. And actually it ends up adding a lot more value to the problems that you're trying to solve, right? So with that in mind, looking at other industries, other job types, other roots in, For women into data, are there any kind of you know big opportunity areas that that you're focused on you know across the initiative to drive that positive influence back into what is fundamentally a a bit of a bit of a closed circle at the moment?
3: It really is DBS. there, There is no magic wand here in in a solution, but what I think is really important, and it's the fundamental pillar of what women in data do, is showcasing, spotlighting. And creating opportunities for accessible role modeling, so you don't know what you don't know. And having diverse data capabilities, you have to surround people, surround yourself, and surround your your data solutions with with people with different points of view. But what happens is we tend to recruit in our own um, in our own vision in our own mirror reflection. By having access to other role models, by having access to other individuals who have taken different m- different paths, different transitions and navigations into the world of data really does start to open that up. So it comes back to community, ensuring that you have access to individuals who have done things differently and for them to showcase and storytell how this is not a dark art. This is about sharing and collaborating and learning from one another. And whether you're building a data capability or a community more widely, that is a intrinsic value that should be really considered. When engineering it,
2: but it takes those role models and it takes those real-life examples of of women that have done that and do want to share their story and can inspire others to do it because the demonstration and and when you see it, it becomes real, right? And I think that's why it's so powerful as a movement, right? Totally, and creating
3: that safe space to uh, to really shine and showcase is really important for women in data. You know, we, we talk a lot more than I'd like to, to be honest. And I don't think it's any, any different to any data practitioner or any profession full stop. We talk an awful lot about imposter syndrome. By creating spaces where people feel safe to share their experiences, failures, challenges, what they wouldn't do again is really important. I think that we have systemically built the profession of data and technology to be exemplary at all stages and and without failure and and people are um, wanting to showcase all the the excellent, incredibly um you know, shiny user cases that um that don't showcase the 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 errors, the flaws, the failures that have happened in each iteration. Um, what women in data are created is a really safe space where people can share very honestly, openly, authentically and, you know, take that away and, and ensure that they're paying it forward. They know how much that means to other people.
2: I think the whole data, uh, AI and tech industry can learn from that. Like, I think that's your spot on. There's too much polishing. There's too much. There's not enough real, um, which I think I think we can all learn from.
0: Christine, you're talking about how people within the movement can share information about what they've done. What, 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 in what ways do they do that? Is it purely an online community or do you host events and things like that?
3: We are um, we were born from, from events and uh, personal interaction. I think that that's the cornerstone of our success, but we've had to iterate and navigate the pandemic as every organisation on the planet has. One thing that that allowed to happen for women in data, which wasn't premeditated, was us to scale because it took the geography boundaries and barriers away from women in this space. So, yes, we became an online community, a virtual community where needs must, which allowed us really to, to open up the, the global doors for women in data. But I think that the, the essence of what we've created in a room um, and in person is very difficult to replicate online. Whilst there's opportunities and ways and means to get the best from the community in the digital and in an, and an, and an online way, I think it's real beauty and magic is when it's in a room together. And you asked me about the methods in which we we utilize. It can be anything from boot camp and learning opportunities where we're really deep and down and and dirty with training and development of of core, hardcore skills through to softer stakeholder engagement skills and networking skills and data storytelling skills. But then it comes to mentoring and coaching. So we're really looking to equip and enable uh, a wid. I fondly use the term weird, a woman in data, with every element that they may require in um, navigating a career in, in data and tech. So from soft skills through to personal relationships and network, from job opportunities through to qualifications, through to latest tech, to having the opportunity to stand on a stage and speak to 2,000 people about what you love. We're there to create those opportunities.
0: So perhaps a silly question, Roisin, but uh, it's obviously the movement's called Women in Data. Does, does, can I join?
3: It does have Women in Data on the door. Red. What I can say is that this is a true place and community space for everybody. We need everybody at the table, Red. Allies, our sponsors, our wits, the individuals on the ground, our colleagues. It's a place for everybody. So it's not just Women in Data, but the mission is Women in Data.
2: Brilliant. Thank you so much. So, Roisin, it's an amazing initiative, massive gathering, and hopefully it continues to grow and continues to have the impact that it has done already. And like you say, that there are still massive problems ahead of us. Um, what can or should companies do to, to resolve this issue?
3: I had a discussion today, DBS, with uh, an organisation who have a data community of over 5,000 individuals. And what I'm finding is with organisations of this size and scale and with the legacy of the ways that they work and recruit and attract talent and manage talent um, and retain it, I think that that's a, a huge issue for what is quite an established profession right now. I think if you are new in business or you are a newly established data capability, you've got all to play for. I think that's exciting because you can engineer um, you can engineer this right into the core, into the DNA of the, the development of your, your products, your, your your team, your capability, your solutions. I think the real challenges are for the larger organizations who are working at scale. And we're working to, to consult with them to really, you know, look at some of those challenges. I think retention is a big problem for our sector right now. You know, the jobs market is in hyper growth Phase and everybody is in demand. It doesn't matter what your discipline or or level of seniority, we're not seeing um, any bubble bursting in terms of data and tech demand. I think for what organizations can do for quick wins here, men and women job search differently. And fundamentally, anybody who is trying to attract talent should remember this on day one of going out to the approach. Women use relationships as the basis for decisions whereas men will be transactional about their application processes. And we know this, that that men are five times more likely to apply to a job um, and go through the process without a relationship, whereas women won't. So you need to use your networks. And whilst we all tend to recruit and and attract talent in in the reflection of ourselves, we need to be really strategic in how we use our networks and how we harness that and how we position the roles that we're trying to, to recruit. So when we look at positioning a job advertisement and some firms only have the methods of advertising role to to be able to attract talent really think about the language it seems simple but you know listing 10 points in a job description of deep learning and machine learning capability and NLP skills and PhDs and uh, you know postgraduate qualifications and exposure and 10 years and stakeholder management skills you won't receive female applications I can assure you of that What you will need to do is look at storytelling out the the opportunities, the benefits, the impact of the role and what you're looking for in addition from the human um, would be my advice. But I do think that the smaller organizations really, whilst they may not have the budgets and the the job security and the the roadmap of uh, some of these larger organizations, I think they're in a distinct advantage in terms of being able to create culture on day one, which is such a important factor. We know that only 15% of organisations are measuring the impact of data culture. Well, if you're scaling a team from scratch, there's no reason you shouldn't be doing that on day one.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. some of, one of the things I've been thinking about is you talked about how you're helping the people within the community, the, the, the women who are looking and trying to look for roles or improve their skills and and, and learn from mentors and coaches. But how much of your time or how much of the movement's time is spent working with companies to actually help them become better at hiring diverse talent?
3: Yeah, so we have 55 partnerships with organisations from small consultancy-style businesses through to uh, the enterprise organisations that we know and love in, in the world of data and technology. It's a major focus of our partnership offering. I think that it comes back to to a number of elements in creating a great place for people to work in data and technology, but it starts with people, it starts with culture. And that's a fundamental pillar of the the Women in Data partnership with industry. So everything that we do um, for, for our community is utterly for free. So you can sign up as a member and take benefits from our events, from our training camps, from our mentoring schemes, et cetera, How we are funded is through commercial relationships with organisations. What that allows women in data to do is impact the heart of industry and really wrap our authority, our thought leadership, our experience and expertise around these organisations who are employing at volume. What it allows us to do is keep those doors firmly open and for free for our members. We don't want to put any more financial or or any barrier of any type in the way of of women's careers in the space.
0: The network is such a large, large number. I mean, what problems do you have in trying to manage that? Is that something that you've happened to, obviously, you can't know 35,000 people, but how do you sort of manage that scale of an organisation?
3: We are expanding rapidly in in Q2 of 23. So we have four new appointments into TeamWit to allow us to really ensure that we're managing that partner community but also really exploring all the possibilities of the, the actual community, the WIDs on the ground. Something that is really centric to, to what we're doing on a day-to-day basis and, and very clearly in the roadmap this year is our data for good projects, WID. This is a way that allows us to uh, bring our community together, to utilise the incredible brain power, And you can only imagine what that looks like in terms of skills and experience across the demographic of of women in data, and use that to impact society. And I can share with you a couple of the the key projects that we're working on at the moment, one of which is women's safety. And we as women in data believe by putting data at the heart of the problem, we can literally save lives of women on the streets of the UK. In addition to that, we, we have all seen and heard the rhetoric around women's health Inequalities. The heart of that problem is a lack of data. And Women in Data have created a commission to tackle this. And and the brilliant Dame Claire Gerada is um, somebody who who has been working very closely with Women in Data to really give us the health professionals' view on what matters. There's gaps all over um, the industry in terms of clinical trials right through to, to patient outcomes data consistently seems to be the issue here. And what we have in abundance is uh, skills and experiences and problem solvers who want to come and solve it. So um, that's the sort of thing that we're doing on the ground to rally and keep our community connected, motivated and creating change
0: with. Do you have much contact with government? Are governments trying to talk to you about this kind of thing or is it purely commercial? Okay, brilliant. Tell us more.
3: So uh, I'll I'll let you into something that's hot off the press. Uh, You heard it here first. The recent uh, reform of the childcare bill and um, support for working parents in the UK, which will see change through 24 and into 25, um, the bill was uh, put forward on the basis of the work that Women in Data had done with the charity organisation Pregnant and Screwed. So we conducted a survey, a nationally representative survey of over 25,000 individuals, um, to which we were measuring and creating a state of the nation in terms of uh, insights around what is happening here in the UK for working parents. Those data points, those insight um, outcomes, were delivered to the doorstep up of Downing Street on the eighth of March, to which we've seen effective change in Whitehall um, and Westminster which we're so deeply proud of. And you will read a whole lot more of that in the press uh, over the coming weeks and months. And we have a full report that we will be sharing with our community and the brilliant work. And I've got a big shout out to say on that from Tess Merkalova, who led the project from a a data perspective. Um, It's truly incredible and and a report to read. And that's the sort of level of effective change that women in data are making
0: on a day-to-day basis. That's brilliant. And only just less than nine years you've made significant impact very much
1: so I think I was nodding through a lot of that to be fair I was like yes yes (laughs) I agree I I think um, just as like an addition you're I think one thing that we're really thinking about here and and to your point around it's not just building the pipeline I'm I'm really conscious that once we fingers crossed get more gender parity across different organisations it's just as much about the processes and policies and inclusive nature that supports organizations that will keep people wanting to stay in that org um and yeah it's just for me it's just as important that we build that inclusive environment through like everything from our onboarding everything through the processes that we have how we have meetings how we set up our hybrid options our flexible working the leaves that we have all of that should be considered as you know, as part of, of building an inclusive environment. So um that's why I was nodding so much. Well, thank you, Candice. And it, it can't just be policy, right? It can't be just playbooks
3: that, that get rolled out to show standards. This has got to be intrinsic to the values, the culture, the people you hire, right? It's not all about the best person for the job on paper. It's about, do they understand what you're genuinely trying to achieve on a human level? And if it's not, don't hire them would be my advice and, and ensure that that playbook that we're referring to of values and policies is embedded. You know, it's a pledge of every person that joins.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And I, do, I think you're in an enviable position and, and I was trying to make that clear in the podcast. You, you have clear advantage. I was talking to a data giant. I mean, what they've got to do is epic. In in terms of pushing snow uphill and changing culture, in turn in changing community and changing job families, ways of working, I don't envy them. But if we can if we can help them on the the cause, you guys in in and girls in in the early formation of this firm, you can get it right. You won't have to correct it later.
1: Yeah. So I was going to ask a question on the guidance and advice you give to younger women that are just entering the workforce maybe they want have done an apprenticeship want to do an apprenticeship or have just graduated versus more experienced women that have had their entry-level role and they want to get to the next level in their career um how what advice and guidance are you giving on on that I don't think I can share with you generic
3: advice Candice because Everybody's circumstance is somewhat different, so we do try and personalise that and ensure that the coaching and matching is is available on on people's personal needs. What I would say is that individuals who are midway in their career have, have very different needs uh, and expectations from women in data than those that are early on. I think that there's a uh, there's a lack of preconceptions early on in in uh, the early stages of career there is excitement, there is fear. And those things are quite easy to, to help along in the journey of, of getting kick-started. You know, you can inspire very easily, I feel, at that point. I think that the opportunities to connect people are much easier. I think when we're looking at mid-career widths, women in data, what we see is that it becomes far more complex in the needs of, of them from a personal career development perspective from a demand perspective in terms of where they use their skills and how they upskill because time is so precious in in this segment of of the community. Um, The big point that I drive home and the team drive home and our speakers and our role models and mentors do is know your value. And what we come across time and time again is that women in data particularly haven't got an understanding of their their own value both commercially uh, and personally. And I think that that's a really important thing to keep a finger on your entire career. Um, it's a must. So I think that that is probably the most ubiquitous topic that we we look at um, regularly. And the other really interesting fact is that 65% of women in data had never negotiated the salary. That is a huge number. Which I find just, fascinating. I find it frightening. I find it fascinating that over 50% of, of the community have never negotiated pay rise, which clearly will have an impact on the, the gender pay gap report that we all read this
0: morning. Does that go back to your point earlier where you said that, you know, men treat jobs and salaries as transactional and women are more about building relationships?
3: And uh, Yeah, totally. And I, I say that in the fact of but if you don't understand your your worth, if you haven't got a benchmark on that, you haven't even got a baseline to start from, even if it is a relationship based discussion. If you haven't got an understanding of your own personal value, you aren't going to be able to price yourself out in the market. So I think you're absolutely right, Red. It, it is reflective of, of the approach. I would never say use the word emotional, but I think that it is it is uh, less transactional for women.
0: So gender parity then is not just about making sure more women are working in data and tech. It's more, it's much more than that.
3: That they're rewarded fairly, that they're developed fairly, that they're representative at board level. And we are seeing some great shakes, right, and moves in this, in, in this space. When we started Women in Data in 2014, when we started measuring the data points on this, only 3% of women were holding the top jobs. So we're talking direct to level and above. That's now at 17%. So we've seen a marked increase. But once again, we've got the broken pipeline of talent coming through, whether it's coming in from side transition or, or early careers. That's going to fundamentally go backwards by the demand that it, there is in the world of data and technology for, for roles. So it's an ongoing challenge. This, As I say, we don't have a magic wand to solve it. But I think informing individuals ensuring that there are there are connections to be made that that relationships can be sustained and that people can help influence is something that we can consistently deliver
0: and do you look back on the last 9 years and think i could you know we could have done so much more or do you look back and think wow we've really had an impact but there's obviously more more to be done
3: right i'm I, i'm disappointed about the early days of women in data i remember the very first event that we had I was um, I was at a, a generic data event, and a senior data leader called me out to say, "So, what do you plan to do at this Women in Data event? Share tips on nail polish." And whilst you can't imagine that happening today, I feel that that is great strides, and I'm I'm thrilled that I I can't imagine that happening to um, uh, an entry level person coming into industry. What I can say is I'm still met with. Uh, uh, objections and, and uh, responses such as, well, I, I, women in data was a great success on the 9th of March. We should do more for men in data on that basis. You know, so the, there's still so much work to be done with there is so many opportunities. I think there's so much education to deliver. Um, there's small anecdotes of, of what I'm seeing live and happening. We now have 100 role models in our Uh, And our alumni of the 20 in data and technology, 100 phenomenal women who have changed the face of data and technology globally. And we have our Girls in Data Initiative that is out in schools, inspiring the next generation of data and tech professional. We have our Data for Good projects. We have a solid community who feel connected, engaged, who belong to what is a movement of, of women in data. So, yes, I'm deeply proud I think that um, I won't sleep. Uh, I'll die trying until we get uh, the gender parity piece. That's the, the goal. And we're still a long way off from it. Pag reported on the 9th of March that we had gone backwards in the in the pandemic. We'd got up to 26% of occupational roles being female in 2019. We dropped backwards in the pandemic. We're now at 25%. So you know the, we've taken a break from this almost with and a, and a step backwards during the, the pandemic years. The work has got to accelerate now, so it's now more than ever.
2: The comments that that you received in the past and I'm sure that you do today are outrageous, but but they do make me think about impact, right? And and they're not just statistics that we should think about here. They are people, right? And I think. Oh even those that are ignorant to the need for parity should not be able to look away from the positive impact that having this level of diversity brings. Have you got a view on that? Is that something that you uh, are able to, if not quantify, at least anecdotally, kind of let us peep behind the curtain in terms of what you've seen of of those organisations where you have changed... You know the, the landscape and and seen more parity and and what are the positive impacts that, that they are seeing beyond the statistics?
3: It's always got to be data led though, DBS. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're trying to win the hearts and minds of individuals that aren't, I'm never gonna say fundamentally opposed, but possibly not on the wid train or understanding the impacts of it, you've got to drive um, you've got to drive the narrative with a data-driven story each and every time. Um, Economic benefits are the way to win forward in this. You know, we all know that having a diverse capability, whether it's in a leadership team of a FTSE 100 or whether it's a data-driven product team, will have better economic outcomes from from that team. So continuing to drive that message is, is one that people can't ignore especially if they are commercially minded or, or capital driven in their work and their output. Um, you know, I, I think more about the societal impacts in that we know that if we are able to provide better, better childcare solutions, we're able to provide better education opportunities, better access to work, um, that again there's economic benefit and and opportunity for our society. I think we just always have to come with the data, TPS. I do find it's the quick win.
2: But you've got a massive network of partners, you've got 30 plus thousand women to collect data from. Like, can't we go to these big companies and say, look, you know, we were here nine years ago. We're here now. Look at the change that you've had or that we've had and then look at the benefits from Efficiency perspective, from a innovation perspective, from a performance perspective, like we can quantify those things, can't we?
3: We can, but a little bit. You know, I'm sure that when you are working with clients to self DBS, you give them the data. You know, you've got the the heart and the mind, but they may not have the the budget or the resource to be able to deliver on on the strategy. And I think that you know, from us, it's if we can impart some knowledge and some wisdom on the way win if we can if we can get them on the train and and you know there and and supporting both in in finance and resource to the women in data movement huge um but I think that for us it's about creating inclusive workplaces I think that that is something that everybody has the opportunity to affect change on and you don't need a budget you don't need the latest tech you don't have to have uh, parity in your team to start on day one for free and with purpose to create a more inclusive data culture, and yeah, that would be the the thing that I would like to to ensure that we instill in every organisation that we we touch,
2: whether they're a partner or not. I'd l- love to maybe wrap with getting involved with women in data, but what can you do today within your own business?
3: And so, in terms of What my call to action would be to anybody who's listening, certainly for those uh, individuals who identify with any of the topics we've spoken about today, please sign up as members. It's essential that we get you into the community and taking benefit as soon as possible, whether that's coming in and, and being volunteers, whether it is coming in and taking part in events or public speaking. But I've got another call to action, and that is for the allies in the room. We can't do this as women in data alone, We need the support of everybody. We need sponsorship. We need mentorship. We need guidance. Um, And that is my call to action for anybody who um, is in a role of responsibility but maybe doesn't identify as a woman in data, identify as an ally in data. You've got a responsibility in in this too.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Roisin. Um, Just for listeners' benefits, how do people get in touch with you? What's the website address, contact, email?
3: People can contact us through hello at womenindata.co.uk. You can become a member today for free at womenindata.co.uk. Please follow our channels through Instagram, through Facebook, through LinkedIn. And we really hope to see you in person at one of our events very soon. The next one is the 27th of April in central London.
0: Brilliant. Thanks again, Juna for joining us.
3: I'm going to depart. It's my birthday, guys. Oh, I'm What? I've got a um, glass of champagne waiting for me, so.
0: Happy birthday.
3: Happy birthday. Thank you so I much. I did think
0: this was a birthday present when it came to <laughs> it. I'm sure you can keep it. I'm keep sure it. no one will Keep it. <laughs> Appreciate it very much. Have a great evening. Happy birthday and thanks again.
1: Take care. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks very much.
0: Cheers, Red. And we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Data and AI podcast from Mesh AI. more information head over to our website meshai.com that's mesh-ai.com and via email podcasts at meshai.com that's mesh-ai.com thanks a lot